0: Welcome to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We pray that these messages encourage you, inspire you, and give you hope. Whether you are in your car, at your house, or your job, we hope you enjoy these messages. It's exciting to be here. It's a great weekend to be in church celebrating. Amen? Amen. Selling out, our freedoms. It's not, um, I told the first service this morning that, um, you know, for all the stuff that's going on in our country, uh, I travel a good bit, uh, every year this year was a little bit different, but, um, I've had the privilege of being in countries where you can't do what you can do here. And I've had the privilege of bringing those people back to my house and I've stood in Washington, DC with those same people. I've stood, uh. At the White House with those same people. And they will look at me and go, he don't live there. I said, no, the president lives, no way he lives there. They wouldn't let people get this close. Because in their countries, you can't get near the presidential palace. And just so happened, this was last year, just so happened there were people protesting outside the White House. I think there's always people protesting outside the White House. And he looked around and he said, what are they doing? And I said, it's America was floored he said there's no way they would let that happen in my country and so i said thank you lord amen for all the things that go wrong this is still the most wonderful place to live on the planet and i've been to a lot of them and we're very thankful to be able to celebrate the founding of this country and what it means to be able to worship freely like this amen so we're thankful for it so we're thankful to all those who fought and offended that freedom and who ensure uh, that we continue to have him. And we're thankful for that. And there's somebody special here this morning back for the first time and he's, he's gonna get all weird and nervous on me. But <laughs> he just went. Why don't you stand up, Jr. J.R. Payne's back from a deployment in Afghanistan. we just welcome him back this morning. Yeah. Yeah. wife and kids as well. We know families sacrifice as much as the the one leaving. And so we're we're thankful for them as well. His wife did tell me when he gets back, I'm leaving. She said, I'm taking a break. We're so thankful for men and women who are willing to do that on our behalf. Amen? Amen. Thankful that we live in a country that it's still noble to sacrifice for someone else a couple things I want to reiterate uh, that Skip said earlier, team fair is coming up starting uh, July 19th. It'll be for two weeks, every service. And we do this because I know coming into a church for the first time, or maybe the fifth time, uh, you know, figuring out a way to get plugged in may be a little bit difficult. So basically every, every ministry that the church has here, every way, every team that you're going to be involved in, uh, will have a, a representation out in the, upper lobby, and and um, you can talk to somebody face-to-face. You can figure out what happens with those uh, teams and see where you fit. I believe you fit somewhere, amen? So figure that out. And then Ju- July 19th also at 6 p.m. I don't know if you've heard, but I think we're launching a church in Berkeley Springs in this fall. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So, um, Look, with COVID-19 happening and all the school shutting down, we, were, we, had, we had been making arrangements to meet in a school in Berkeley Springs. And, and so we were kind of in limbo about how that was gonna happen. So I was able to talk to the principal last week. We have a meeting set up uh, for Wednesday to go in. Uh, we're gonna, we're, our goal is to go into the high school, install a new sound system, install a new lighting system, and install a new projection system, and then leave it there. Is that a good idea? Uh, and then just bless them, and allow us to use the building, and just bless them. And uh, and and I'm excited for us to do that. So we're going Wednesday to have a to have a, a meeting uh, to to talk more about that. And so uh, things are moving ahead, and I'm thankful for that, even in the midst of chaos. So July 19th uh, is going to be uh, they're calling it Insight Night. Now this is important. You got to listen to me. I-N-S-I-G-H-T, okay, insight. Like, we're gonna give you insight into something. Because the first time we talked about this, somebody said it should be called insight night, but they spelled it I-N-C-I-T-E. And I thought, oh dear God, we're just starting a church. So um, I-N-S-I-G-H-T night, everybody cool with that? We're going to give you some insight into what's happening. So listen, if you're part of, if you live in Morgan County, uh, we encourage you, you can go to our Facebook page, Hope Community Church, Facebook page. Uh, we're going to, we're having a catered dinner here. Uh, that's Sunday night, uh, Sunday, July 19th, the catered dinner right in this room. Actually, we're going to move the chairs around tables up. And, uh, one of my friends is uh, smoking some pork and is going to be bringing it up. Uh, so to that night, uh, we're going to, we're going to lay out for you what it's going to look like, how it's going to operate all those things. And, um, and so if you live in Morgan County, we encourage you to be here six o'clock, go to Facebook and there's a RSVP on our Facebook page. You can click on, it does say today's the last day, but I'm a rule breaker by nature. So you can, um, so you can sign up tomorrow, whenever, no, we already covered it. It's, it's fine. If you're not from Berkeley Springs, but you want to see Hope Community Church launch churches all over the place, uh, we encourage you to come out as well uh, and be a part of it and part of what God's doing. So July 19th, go on Facebook and find the link there. You can uh, click to register or you can call the church office. Ah, you can't call the church office because our phone system got hit by lightning. So we're still trying to figure that out. But um, email us, there you go. You can check email from anywhere, can't you? Email us, if you can't find the link, we'll get you there. July 19th, six o'clock, make sure you're here, amen? Amen. That sound good? All right, stand to your feet. We're gonna read some scripture. We are still in the Suddenly sermon series. I'm, I'm excited about this. We're just walking through Acts, seeing how people's lives were changed and how it impacted the church going forward. So we're going to read Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 8, about a guy named Stephen. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the place change of custom Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Father, we ask you that you fill us with grace today, that, Lord, as you suddenly fill us with your Holy Spirit, that an equal amount of grace and truth would follow. God, this world needs grace, but it also needs grace power of truth. Help them to find it in the church. Help them to find it in us. And help them to find it more because we were together today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. At the beginning of this chapter, chapter six, you see uh, a dispute arise in the early church. If you have been coming to church any length of time, you know that there will be a dispute sooner or later. Amen? I told you last week, you like to fight. I saw a dispute rose up uh, with what Luke called the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And what happened was there were Jews not uh, that had adopted some of the Greek uh, Greek language and that, that culture. And you find that this synagogue that Stephen is preaching in is actually called the synagogue of the freedmen. And it was actually Jews that had come from all over the place, but they didn't have Jewish, they didn't have the Hebrew, they didn't speak Hebrew, and they didn't have the strict Jewish culture. But they were Jews, and so in the early foundations of the church, there was a group of these Hellenistic Jewish, uh, Hellenistic Jews that were not being fed. Uh, Hellenistic Jewish widows were not being fed, and a dispute arose up in the middle of the church. Now, you remember the last time we talked, There's about 5,000 men who had come to saving knowledge of Christ, and if you include women and children and families, that was a lot of people instantly, so you can imagine the infrastructure might not have been there to feed everybody. And you can also imagine that there might have been some some little uh, groups and maybe a little tension between groups and all these things, and so what you see is a very specific group not being taken care of. So what happens is the 12 apostles bring all the disciples together and say, hey, we need to appoint some godly men to take care of this. And so they appoint seven men, two of those men, uh, one of them Stephen and the other one Philip, who ends up being written about a little bit later in Acts. But Stephen, um, they single him out right at the beginning. They said he was a man full of grace and power. Grace and power. That's important. That's really important. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Hey, they did, they, oh, man. I was going to do this. I did this illustration for service. We have somebody in the back that is mixing, like, raising levels up and down. You realize I don't turn my mic up by myself, and I don't turn it down. You realize that? Everybody realize? Like, I don't have us knob here where I'm turning it. So what happens is, um, the person in the back can turn a keyboard up, can turn the keyboard down. can turn my mic up, can turn my mic down, can turn the drums up and down. And, and what you end up getting, hopefully what we end up getting is a good, what they call mix, a good mix. If you, if you ever mess around with sound equipment, uh, you want a good mix. And so, uh, if you, ever, if you ever bought a brand new pair of headphones, maybe the real fancy ones that go over your ears, maybe some Beats. It's gonna look cool walking down the street with these big things on your ears. And you ever put on a really good set of headphones the first time and you turn the music on, you're like, ooh, oh. Because the headphones are designed to have the right mix. They, the headphones are designed to reproduce something that sounds appealing in your ears, and when you walk into a concert and you and you hear the mix, you're either you're either like, "Oh, that's good," or ah. We do uh, Sam and I do uh, some conferences, some uh, for uh, teenagers throughout the year, and and guys that are really really good at this can can tell you right up front, all oh, the mix is harsh, or, or it's this, or it's muddy, or and I don't even know what they're talking about. I'm like, what are you talking about, muddy? So here's what I found out. That when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they have an opportunity to get a good mix. A good mix of grace with truth or power. Grace, but power. And and sometimes in the church, we don't get the mix right. Can I just show uh, uh, show of hands? How many of you are, are, are rule follower, truth people? Just raise your hand. Come on, be honest. By definition, you have to be honest. You're the people that want the, like the rules. Like we want it to operate. That's why rules are in place to follow. And I'm the one that has to make sure everybody follows them. Just love it just love telling everybody how they're wrong. Now how many of you would say you're more gracious people like you're like, "Ah, oh, it's all going to be fine. Forget it." I mean, you really it wasn't that bad? Anybody like that in here? I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I hate rules. Just like, why would you make so many rules? Because I, rules kind of like lock you in. You got to operate a certain way. I don't like that. I want to do what I want to do. Anybody else like that? We're the ones that are going to run the earth. Make rules. Crazy. So what happens here, what we notice about Stephen right off the bat, I need to let you know this. Stephen was asked to feed widows. Now, you can't re- you can't forget that when we get farther into this story. He was asked to feed widows. That's it. That's all he was asked to do. That's all he was commissioned to do. That's in the beginning of chapter six, they make a big deal about, hey, we've got this dispute in the church and we got seven people together to take care of this dispute. We're gonna make sure people are getting fed now and nobody's getting excluded. So this is a solution to it. Stephen's one of the guys that are gonna do that. So all he's asked to do at the beginning is to feed widows. And the reason that's... Extremely significant is is that a lot of people get upset when they're asked to do something seemingly remedial. You're like, I'm smarter than that. They asked me to help clean the church. I'm smarter than that. Didn't they? Didn't they know I could sing opera? Probably not. Probably didn't know that. Didn't they know I could do all this stuff? Didn't they know I was full of grace and power? Didn't they know? The beautiful thing about Stephen is you don't hear him complain about any of that. They said, hey, Stephen, would you mind making sure these widow ladies are taken care of and not overlooked? Yeah, love to. Love to. So you need to remember that when you see the story progress, that he wasn't asked initially to preach in a synagogue. He wasn't asked to do miracles. He wasn't asked to lay his life down. He was asked to feed widows. And it seems to me, what if, you, if we are willing to do what God asks us to do, initially, it gives you somewhere to start. Amen? Seems like everybody wants to be on the stage. Everybody, like, like oh, I can, I can go to The Voice, and I can be on stage. I could go to American Idol, I can be on stage. And we've got a culture that everybody just wants to jump up there. Like, Like, look what I'm doing. Well, the reality is, is probably nobody was looking at what Stephen was doing at the beginning. It Wasn't a glamorous job. He wasn't one of the apostles. He He wasn't one of the guys up front leading things. He was asked to make sure people weren't overlooked. And what was his response? Yeah, take care of that. I'd love to. It would be my honor. Just let me do it. Take care of it. Don't worry about it. I'm your God. What if we responded to God like that with the remedial things in our lives? What if when God came to us and said, hey, would you be willing to clean that up? Uh, Wait a second, God. I mean, you you know I got an important job outside the church. You know I'm a little bit more important than what this job indicates that I am. The beautiful thing about it is being willing to feed widows led Stephen to us being able to read about him thousands of years later. Never underestimate small beginnings. I think the Bible says something about that. Never despise a small beginning. Never despise starting out at the bottom. Never despise the idea that God is still recognizing you. He still picked him. Out of all these people that got together, it was still, Stephen was one of the seven people picked. It may seem like the JV team at the time, but he was still on the team. Amen? So watch what happens. Watch what happens. Now we get to chapter six, verse eight. So we have this dispute, Stephen's picked. And now by the time we get to verse eight, they're describing him as a man full of God's grace and power. What we find out is grace and power can live in harmony together. Grace and power can live in harmony together. So John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible says in Jesus that that the mix was right. And then in chapter 6, verse 8, it said the mix in Stephen was right. He was full of grace and at the same time full of power. Jesus was found equal amounts. And in Stephen, being follower of Christ, displayed the same characteristics. He was equally delightful and powerful. Power does the gospel no good if it's wrapped up in bitterness and anger. Did you hear that? I've seen some mean people fill the Holy Spirit, at least I said they were. Listen, the word for grace in this passage doesn't mean like graceful on his feet, like he was a good dancer. The word for grace in this passage literally denotes like a childlike innocence and delightfulness. He had a spiritual charm or winsomeness. Do you know what that literally means? People liked being around him. Have you ever asked yourself, since I became a Christian, do people like being around me more or less? I'll let you answer that. That's rhetorical. Don't say it out loud. Don't look at your spouse and go, eh? The irony is I've seen people claim to be full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Spirit, and be nasty at the same time. And the Bible says that that's not really how it works. That Jesus was full of grace and truth. Yes, they were in equal amounts. But here's what you find out. Regular people liked being around Jesus. Amen? Regular people liked being around Jesus to the point where they said, he hangs out with tax collectors and sinners and drunkards and all these... They just liked being around him, And he was like, I like them. They're funner than you. You religious people are all boring. That should tell you something. Because it said Stephen was full of grace. What's that grace look like? Childlike innocence a winsomeness. People liked being around him. He was a genuinely nice guy. And yet oftentimes when we come to Christ, or we, we, we all of a sudden become, become the truth bearer. So you go back to your friends, and we lose the winsomeness, and we gain a bunch of authority. You know what? God never called you to be your friend's police. That's not what he called you to. The mix has to be right. You can't come to Jesus and then then go back to the world and go, hey, listen, I just found out all y'all are going to hell. So put away the liquor, put away the fun, put away the rock and roll music. And that's not what he said do. He said be equally mixed grace and truth. Jesus came speaking an equal amount of grace and truth. He didn't compromise either of them. It didn't say people hated being around Jesus because he was pompous. It said they loved being around Jesus. The same thing was true of Stephen. Hey, you want to, Stephen, can you feed widows? I'd love to, man. Thanks, thanks for including me in this. I feel honored to be able to do this. And so he's, he starts feeding widows, and nobody complains about him. But feeding widows led to preaching in a synagogue. See where I'm going with this? Feeding widows led to preaching in a synagogue and displaying great power, doing miracles and signs and wonders. Where did it start? Feeding widows. Imagine Stephen, man, I remember before all these signs and wonders came, I was just feeding widows. So all of a sudden now, the grace that God poured on him was being displayed in great power. So I need to ask you that question again. If the closer you get to Christ, the more evil you get. You might want to figure out who you're snuggling up against. Amen? If the closer we get, the more nasty, the more people don't want to be around us, that's the inverse of what happened to Jesus. That's the inverse of what happened to Stephen. It's that people love being around them. So as the church... I know there's truth. I know there's power that has to be displayed, but it's no good if nobody likes us. No, 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 no. I know some of you are like, we're not compromising. You don't have to say it that way. You don't have to say it. You're like, we're not compromising. They're going to hell. You don't have to say it that way. Watch this. Listen, there's things we can't compromise on. We love you. It's the way I say it to my kids. Have you ever tried that? Oh, wait, wait. You don't say it that way to your kids, do you? You say, if we're not compromising, you're going to hell. Yeah, let's switch that up a little bit. Maybe your kids would like you more. Sorry, that's another sermon. He was equally delightful and powerful. Equally delightful and powerful. Listen, when you combine an immensely likable man with great power, And that's amazing. That's amazing. He was performing great signs and wonders and no one could stand up against the wisdom the Spirit had gave him. Now listen, likability does not mean the truth needs to be sacrificed. I'm not saying be so secret sensitive that you're okay with everything. But when we're not okay with it, we don't have to be nasty. Amen? Amen? Equal amounts of grace and truth. Equal amounts of grace and power. So when you're powerful, it comes from a place of grace. When you combine these two traits, you can correct people and keep them at the same time. You can love deeply and still uphold the truth. You don't have to convince people anymore that you care about them. They already know it. So here's a problem, though. Truth is sometimes offensive no matter how it's packaged. You're going to hell. I hate to say it to you. Wow. Probably wouldn't say it that way. Here's what happened with Stephen. He's feeding widows. He's got an opportunity to preach in the synagogue where I believe some of those widows probably went. It was a synagogue of the freedmen. And, and there, was, there was Jews who, who spoke Greek and practiced more of the Greek culture than other Hebraic Jews did meeting in that synagogue and Stephen had this opportunity. So he started preaching in that synagogue. And everybody's like, Man, boy, he's such a nice guy. But that stuff he says about Jesus is crazy. He's such a nice guy. We just love Stephen. And then one day he starts saying stuff that the people in charge around there started not to like. Now, Now, they couldn't argue with him. The Bible says that they couldn't stand up against any of the arguments he made. That the spirit had filled him with so much power that there was no one that could argue with him. So can you imagine combining a guy that everybody likes that can make an argument that nobody can argue with? And so here Stephen is, started out feeding widows, standing in a synagogue, preaching in a way that nobody could argue with, but everybody liked him. So sometimes the truth is going to be offensive no matter how it's packaged. Remember, they did kill Jesus, and he was a perfect combination of grace and truth. John fifteen eighteen, Jesus says this: If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were in the world, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you: A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Listen there will be a time when the truth is more hated by people than the benefited authors. I believe we're living in that time where the truth is whatever you want it to be. And, and when the church says, stands up and says, this is what the Bible says about people scoff at it. But what happened when Stephen shows up in the synagogue and starts preaching, they could not stand up against the wisdom the spirit gave him as he spoke. So watch this. If the truth is gonna be offensive, live your life in a way that Satan has to lie about you. Watch why this matters. If we're not careful, if we don't have an equal mix of grace and truth, then here's what happens. When we start speaking the truth and it goes against culture, they'll say, well, they're mean people from the beginning. And I've, I, I, I've been in churches where that was true. And it wasn't a lie. Maybe I'm the only one. You've never been in a church that was judgmental? You've never been in a church that just was nasty when you walked in the front door? Like, you walk in as a visitor, you're like, what did I do? I thought they wanted more people to show up. So all of a sudden, When you start speaking the truth, they can leave and say, hey, listen, they said something I don't like and they're nasty. Not a lie. They said something I I don't like and, and they're this and they're that. They had to make it up about Stephen. They had to make it up about Stephen. They had to make it up about Jesus. They had to lie about Jesus to have him crucified. You do realize that, right? Nothing they said about him was true. And then they make it up about Stephen. So here's where we need to be. We need to be so full of grace and so full of truth that then when they try to come back, they have to lie about you to get anywhere. But here's what happens. As Christians, we sometimes burn our own boat down. Paul says it, that 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 we shipwreck our own faith. And so when we're not full of grace, and we're only full of truth and power, then what happens is people don't have to make up stuff about us. Well, they said what they thought, and they were nasty when they said it. But when you see Stephen, it said they had to persuade people to lie about him, And it seems to me that they had to pay Judas to lie about Jesus. I mean, he might have done it for free. I don't know. But he did take the coins at the beginning. So the issue is this. If they're going to say something about us, I want it to have to be a lie. Have no truth in it. I had a buddy of mine come to me probably seven or eight years ago. And he said, uh, I was here at the church I'm doing what I do. And uh, somebody had left the church and was mad about, so I don't know what it was. And uh, my buddy said, Hey man, I was at a restaurant the other day and they were talking about you, made up a bunch of stuff, talking about you, and you got to do something about it. And I said, I'm not doing anything about it. It's not true. Why am I going to waste my time defending something? It wasn't true to start with, and I almost thought, "Thank you, Lord, that they had to make something up." Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that they had to make something up, because I got some stuff in my closet. If they knew about, they wouldn't have to make up. Everybody does. Amen. Come on, can we just be real this morning? So what happens is, I realized, "Thank you, Lord," there was a, the mix was right enough that they just had to make up a lie to get to me. And I thought, "Thank you, God." That they didn't, that I didn't have anything hanging out there as a pastor that they could just latch onto and say, man, he's nasty. He's this and this, and he stands up and preaches crazy stuff. No, no, no. They had to make it up. So if only the only thing that Satan can come against the church is to make stuff up, you're in a really good spot. So don't even worry about the lies that are being told about you. Stop trying to defend it. Stephen didn't try to defend it. He didn't say, those aren't true. I can't believe you said that. I'm such a nice guy. He didn't say any of that. Jesus didn't either. We end up defending something that you don't need to defend. What are you going to defend being nice? So when there's an equal amount of grace and truth, Satan has to make up something about you. And he's been doing it for thousands of years. Just making up stuff. Live your life in a way that Satan has to lie about you to get anywhere. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They never said Stephen was a jerk. They never said he was a thief. They never said he was abusing people. They said he said something that he didn't really say. Just made it up. And they had to persuade people to lie about him. Can I just tell you this morning character needs no defense. You do not have to defend godly character. Just let it go. When Jesus was on trial, he was silent. I told myself this, stop trying to defend yourself and just stick to the gospel. It needs no defense. Amen. Here's the beautiful part. They're bringing accusations against him. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down down to us. In verse 15, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. He wasn't even upset. The face of an angel. The face of an angel. If the church in a moment of accusation if, our, if the testimony could be that people looked at us at the, and they had the face of an angel in the middle of false accusations, come on. Amen? Full of grace and power. Now here's the important part. You've heard me say over the last couple of weeks, especially in this contentious time that we live in in the United States, we have to remember who we're fighting, amen? You have to remember that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So, so Stephen had to remember this as well. Because it, was, it looked like men were attacking him. So you got you to pay attention. So listen to what it says. We skip down verse 54 of chapter six. When the members of the San... Sh- now, let me back up. Stephen's drug out. They, they, they conjure up all these accusations. It looks just like what they did to Jesus. Conjure up all these accusations against him. And they give him a chance to speak. And Stephen preaches. He's like, oh, you gave me a shot at this? Now, he didn't say, I'm better than you think I am. I don't deserve this. This shouldn't be happening. No, he preaches, but he preaches masterfully to a point that they're like, gee, he got us again. So, what were they upset about? They were upset about, they said, well, he's gonna, he said this Jesus is gonna destroy all our customs. So, Stephen goes back to the beginning and he starts preaching about how Jesus interacted with Israel all through their time. And what he was doing was he was highlighting, look, he did it this way at this time, this way at this time, this way at this time. When they were in the wilderness and they built a tabernacle, that was different from the way he dealt with Abraham. And that was different from the way he, after Solomon built the temple, it was different, 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 different. And now he's doing it through Jesus. And he paints this masterful picture where he weaves the way God the way God interacts with his people through history, and he weaves it. And he says, "Hey, look, God's been changing this the whole time. God's been changing this the whole. Time. It's not hard to believe He's going to change it again through Jesus." Don't don't think like that. Don't think culture. And when they get to the end of it, they're like, "Ah, can't believe He got us again." So when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, you know what that means. Full of grace, full of power. Looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said. I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. I think he said it in a nice voice. I think he said it full of grace. I think he preached his last sermon. He looked up and he went, hey, I see Jesus sitting right at the hand of the Father. To which they flipped straight out when he said it. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. Have you ever seen a kid do this? La, 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 la. That's what they did. Could you imagine getting to a place where you can't argue with anybody? You just go, ah! Grace and power, grace and power, grace and power. Grace and power has no argument. So what do they do to it? At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Think about how quick this was happening. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. I need you to underline that right there. Don't ever forget that because this is important. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against thee. I seem to remember Jesus saying that. Luke records in chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus wasn't saying that at a dinner where everything was going well. He was saying it hanging on the cross. And Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, has the same response to people throwing stones to kill him. You see, when the situation got dire, the mix of grace went up when it was time to forgive people who were, take, who were actively taking his life, God went, now it's time for grace. And he slid the fader up on the board and he went, more grace, Stephen, more grace. And Stephen went, Lord, don't hold this against him. Could you imagine throwing stones at a guy who was already forgiving you? Church, we have to be full of grace and power at the same time. The power of the Holy Spirit to present the gospel in a way that that is that is truth, but at the same time, be gracious enough, to forgive people that will attack you over it. Now watch why this is so important. The band's gonna come up. We're gonna wrap up with this. Watch why this is so important. Remember I told you, remember I told you about Remember, you should underline that they laid there. They laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. So some of you know this. we others. You're like, what's a big deal? Took their coat. They were getting ready to stone a guy. You can't do that with a coat on. So they laid their coats at the feet of this young man named Saul. There's a guy named Saul of Tarsus who's watching this whole thing happen, giving his approval. Saul of Tarsus ends up being famous for the gospel. But in this moment, Saul of Tarsus, he enters into the scene of Acts, the early church. We haven't really heard about him before. We don't know what the deal is. We don't, there's no mention of him before. This is just, Stephen is being stoned by a mob of angry men because he's preaching the gospel, not because he's nasty, not because of his response, not because he was a jerk, just because he was preaching the gospel. This young man named Saul standing there and the attackers are taking their coats off and laying them at Saul's feet. You realize you never know who's watching. You just never know who's watching. When you are being attacked and you're responding a certain way, you never know who's watching. Your kids could be watching, your spouse, your neighbor. Here's what I know: I know the people that are attacking you are watching. I, I know in this season when 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 people just have nothing to do with the gospel, and they're willing to, and they're willing to attack the church, they're watching the response. Believe it or not. They're watching the response and here's how I know. It says Saul, a young man named Saul was standing there. They were laying their coats at his feet. Now, some of you may not know this, but Saul not too much longer decides on his own accord to go to the, the high priest and the chief, the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law and get them to give him permission to go persecute the church. He had just stood they're in approval over Stephen's death, the st- brutal stoning death of Stephen. And now he's gonna take this task up on his own and he's gonna run with it. He's on his way to Damascus to make sure he can persecute the church and lock up believers. And the Bible says that Jesus interrupts his trip to Damascus, Says it says a blinding light just shuts the whole club down. Everybody that's traveling with him, they fall down their faces, and Saul's blinded. And he hears a voice from heaven. It's Jesus, and he says, "Saul, why are you persecuting me?" He says, "I don't even know who you are." He says, "I'm Jesus of Nazareth." Saul's transformed in that moment. His legacy is he writes two thirds of the New Testament. The same guy that was standing there watching, approving Stephen, the man full of grace and power being stoned to death right in front of him, the same man ends up having his life transformed by that same power that lets Stephen forgive everybody throwing rocks at him. The same power transformed Saul. And so what we find out is Saul ends up spreading the gospel to the then the whole world and writing two-thirds of the new testament and here's what i've i can't prove it i can't prove it i'll be the first to admit i can't prove it but here's what i'm thinking you later see that same grace and power the same grace and truth in paul's life that you saw in jesus and you saw in stephen and i've got to believe that every time that saul got into a circumstance Every time that Paul got into a circumstance later that somebody would accuse him and somebody would rise up against him and somebody would challenge him, he had to think back. I remember how Stephen responded. I remember how that young man who did not do anything was never nasty to anybody. I remember how he rose up and said, Lord, don't hold it against him. And so now we read things like Paul was not upset that he was arrested. Paul was not upset that he was shipwrecked. Paul was not upset that he was beat multiple times. It said, Lord, this is to advance your gospel. And I gotta believe that he was running through his mind that picture of Stephen going, Lord, just forgive him. You never know who's watching. You never know who's watching. So stand to your feet. It could be your neighbor. It could be the person you work for so when you walk in tomorrow you be full of grace and truth make sure the mix is right because you never know who's watching you never know who's going to they could be straight from the devil right now but you never know if god's going to use your life to transform somebody else you never know when the mix is right anything is possible amen when the mix is right everything's possible father we thank you today that you can transform our life in a moment. And we pray, Lord, that you transform ours so today. You get the mix. You'd make the mix right. That we'd be full of grace and power at the same time. And Lord, we pray for all who are watching how we respond. We pray that we leave a lasting impact on. We pray, Lord, that we would, when we respond in grace, that it would glorify your name empower us today to accomplish all that you set us out to do. And Lord, we pray that you make the mix right in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church. Could you say amen? Give Him honor and praise today. He's good. Amen? Hey, listen. Encourage somebody on your way out. Be full of grace and power this week. We'll see you next week. We thank you for your time today. We hope you've grown closer to Jesus Christ through this message. If you found it helpful, share the message. Share it with your friends and your family. And with your help, we can take the gospel far and wide.